Hey guys, this is Tina Recklage, and you're listening to the Grow and Go podcast, the show about growing, challenging, and encouraging each other to dig deeper than the social norms. Let's grow and go together. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Grow and Go podcast. I hope you guys are having a good week, um, you know, staying safe, staying inside, but overall finding your joy, finding peace, and overall finding contentment, which is going to be today's topic. Uh, it's going to be something that I feel like a lot of us can relate to in this specific season that we're in, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who could be wrestling with this. Uh, but as you know, I'm going to share yet another another embarrassing story for you guys, and so here it is. This happened about three years ago, or maybe three or four years ago, and I was working at a church with my buddy Sam. And so uh, what our job was basically was to go and set up events. We would set up tables and chairs um, for different events that would go on throughout the week. We would take um, garbage out every night, We would, and we would also be in charge of locking up the building every night. So this was a regular time thing. This was a job that I had for like three, four years, and it was honestly one of my favorite jobs ever because it was just so easy and yet it was such a fun job. But this is something that me and my my buddy Sam would do and this is something that uh, we would have to do every night. So there was one night where we were setting up these tables and chairs for an event and we it was pretty late. And what we had do what we had done was we noticed that there was like a ton of pop in the fridge in the kitchen area. And so we uh, <laughs> we went to the fridge and we drank like a ton of Coke. Like we, we opened can after can and just chugged it down. We were in a weird freaking mood. We were so goofy, like so like out of it, but yet it was so much fun because we were just like picking on each other and like having a good time while working. And it, oh my gosh, we were just off the wall, but we had finished like working and, the, and like during the working, like we were just joking around, but after we were just like still joking around, even though we were clocking out and we had gotten into our cars. And at this point it was like midnight, it was a late night. And so we, um, we got into our cars and like, we're, we get in our cars and we're just like revving our engines at each other, just, you know, being a couple goofballs and, uh, and we're just, you know, joking around. And then all of a sudden we start, next thing we know, we start racing around the parking lot. Okay. And Keep in mind, like it's late at night. Cops are always driving by the church this late at night. And it's it's just insane how how dangerous we are putting ourselves in. Okay. So we were racing around the parking lot, and then all of a sudden we took it to the streets. And we we went on a, you know, went, went on a couple back road streets, and we're just racing the whole time. And it was it was dangerous, to say the least. And we were putting ourselves in a situation where you know, we could have gotten in trouble, but we didn't care because the Coke really made us do it. Um, that sounds like a Post Malone lyric, but anyway, <laughs> so we're driving and we're racing each other. Literally, he's going across me like he's cut in front of me. We're like speeding. We're missing every stop sign. Like we are like full like <laughs> Ricky Bobby. OK, and we are just, you know, not caring about the law. You know, forget the law like we are the law, but <laughs> we were driving and then all of a sudden we found ourselves on a public street um, and specifically a street that had a very low speed limit, I'll, I'll just say for now. So we were driving 
we're messing around, we're laughing, we're just, you know, trying to race, like, he missed his street, honestly, like, like, he, I don't know where he was going, but I knew that he was just trying to get ahead of me, and, and overall, like, he was just, it was just such a weird competition, but we were just hyped off this Coke, okay, so we're driving, and we're going, like, I don't even know how fast, but all we know is we're going so fast, and then all of a sudden, we both notice two cops sitting on the side of the street. And at this point we knew like, Oh shoot. Like we are in trouble. There's no way that we can slow down enough to like go back to the normal speed limit. So what Sam does is he cuts into a nearby subdivision and I keep going straight past these cops because I got to go home. It's like midnight and my street is going towards, it goes past these cops. So I continue driving and all of a sudden, like, of course, like a cop, one of the cops pulls up and the other cop goes and follows Sam into that subdivision. So they both pull us over and I'm like, oh shoot, what am I going to tell my mom? <laughs> you know, like 18 year old me is so concerned about what my mom thinks to the point where like, I am just so focused on that where I don't even care if I go to jail. So <clears throat> I, uh, so I get pulled over. So around this time, I, my windows were, it was winter time and my windows were just very like you know, iced, they couldn't even like, um, roll down. So when the cop came over to my passenger door to like pull me over, um, I had to like reach my hand over or my whole body over to open the door. And he was so thrown off by it that he like took a step back, like put his hand on his like belt and was like, Whoa, man, what are you, what are you doing? And I'm like, sir, sorry, officer. Um, I needed to say that my windows are not working and I'm, I'm not trying to do anything. I just wanted to open the door so I could talk to you. <laughs> like, he's like, okay, all right. He's like, do you have your driver's license and your, you know, registration? And so I'm like, yes, of course. But keep in mind, this is like the second or third time that I've been pulled over ever at this point. And I couldn't tell the difference, not going to lie, between my insurance card and my registration card. So I handed my license, I handed my insurance card instead. And he just looks at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> so um, he's like, buddy, this is not your, uh, this isn't your registration. This is your insurance. So I'm like, oh shoot. So I'm like, I'm sorry, officer. I, obviously I have no idea what's going on. I, I don't even know how I got here. It's like, no, you're fine. So he points it out to me in the glove box and I hand him it. He's like, all right, I'm going to go you know, I'm going to go run some numbers or whatever, and I'll come back in a minute. So I'm like, okay. So I, you know, I'm sitting there just really concerned, freaking out. And I'm just like worried the whole time. I'm like, what is going to happen? Am I going to jail? Is my mom going to kill me? Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to lose my car? You know, and I don't even care what Sam's doing at that point. And so, um, cop comes back to my passenger door, he hands me the stuff. He's like, all right, it's like, I'm going to give you a warning. He's like, I'm, I'm being, I feel like I'm going to be very nice tonight. But I'm going to give you a warning, but I got to let you know how fast you were going. I'm like, okay, go ahead. Tell me. And I knew this street was 30 miles per hour. He looks at me and he says, son, you were going 80 in a 30 mile per hour zone. So now I don't know if you know this. That isn't speeding. That's considered reckless driving, which is like a federal crime. Like, honestly, that cop should have like taken me on my car, handcuffed me and put me in the back seat of his car. Like I, I knew I was in trouble. So I'm like, oh my God. So of course, like me being like the 18 year old kid, I was like, 
officer, thank you so much. You have no idea what this means. I, I am sorry. I'll never do it again. You know, just like completely acting like a kid. Like, I'm so sorry, sir. And so he's like, no, you're fine. He's like, I don't want to catch you doing that again, though, or else I'm going to have to write you up. And I'm like, I completely, I, I get it. I don't worry. So officer hands me the, you know, the warning ticket. He goes back into his car, drives away and I go home and all of a sudden Sam calls me. So I pick up the phone. I'm like, Hey man, he's like, dude, he's like, we got a warning. I'm like, yeah, man. Um, he's like, how'd you do it? And I'm like, I'm like, honestly, Sam, I sweet talked the guy. He was super sweet. I just act all innocent and you know, it worked. We're good. And I said, Sam, you're going to have to owe me some food, dude, because your mom and my mom would have killed us. So because I sweet talked him, you owe me food. And he's like, deal. And so like that next week, he like bought me Costco food and we never told anybody until now. So, hey, mom, no, I'm just kidding. But, but yeah, that was my embarrassing story. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, and it never happened again. I will never, ever, ever go 30 miles per hour again. So, or 80 miles per hour again is what I meant. So anyway, that was today's story. But hey, I don't want to take any more time away from today's episode. So let's just jump right into it, okay? So I was thinking, have you guys ever seen that State Farm commercial uh, where there's an old man and he's in a fisherman outfit and he's holding a fishing pole that has a dollar bill tied to the end of it? And you might've seen it as I'm describing it. And he goes, uh, you gotta be quicker than that. Every time this young lady who stands in front of the, the hook of the dollar bill and he like tries and he yanks it away every time she tries to grab it. And you know, it seems like an impossible task to try to grab this simple dollar bill. And I feel like that's a very good illustration of what discontentment looks like. Now, what does discontentment look like in everyday lives? Well, for me, in this weird season going on, especially with this whole sickness thing, ruining everybody's plans, discontentment looks like a variety of things. You know, I want to get in in good shape for the summer so I can go to Mexico where my dad's getting married and uh, I I can't go to the gym because of all these places shutting down, you know, and I can look at that situation and go, boom, that's discontentment. You know, another example, for example, is uh, I'm currently living in my dad's basement and I want to have enough money to get in my own to get my own place and start my hashtag adult life, but uh, discontentment wins again because I don't have the money and I don't you know I can't think of a good location to go, and I'm stuck in my dad's basement. But above all else, it seems like we can always see the grass is dried and withered without realizing that in Christ the grass is always going to be greener on the other side. Um, you know, a lot of us are in this place where we just feel like there's a tug between wanting to be content and choosing discontentment because even if things are going good and we we still have a job house food clothing like there's always going to be a part of us that wants more you know there's more opportunities out there you know we need more food in the fridge we need more clothing in our closets more friendships that we can have more money more 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 we can turn our content hearts into greedy seekers who are always looking for the next adventure to cling to Contentment, or the state of it, can seem like an impossible task if we look at it head on. It doesn't help that our culture has magnified getting the next biggest thing um, and that we have just glorified the fact that we need to get our hands on the next biggest thing. So in this season, you know, we can look at it from what is out there that's popular, you know, getting the next iPhone, uh, getting the next pair of kicks like Jordans, you know, using the next social media filter that everyone's using all these simple, stupid little things, but we are in a constant state of the media and the culture telling us 
next big thing. You got to have it. You got to do this. Got to try this. Got to buy this. Got to get this. Like I broke my Apple watch that I got for free at Christmas and literally spent a couple hundred dollars to get a new one just because I didn't want to wear my stupid $10 Walmart watch that works just as much, just as much as the Apple watch. You know, we are obsessed with getting the next big thing. And I think if we're going to look at what contentment looks like, we need to take a step back and also see why it seems so unachievable. Contentment or, you know, by definition is the state of happiness and satisfaction. Contentment is basically being happy with whatever's going on in a specific area, even if it doesn't seem that way. And I feel like contentment is hard when it comes to the Christian faith because it isn't something that God, it's something that God delights in, but it almost seems like an impossible task to achieve. There's almost this pressure that we put on ourselves or that others put on us. So if you're a believer like myself, you may have heard another believer in your life ask you questions like these. How's your prayer life going? Have you been reading the Bible? Have you talked to God about this situation? Did you confess that sin to God? All these questions. And I I believe that they have good motives behind them. They just bring out discontentment to its fullest. You know, though God is always with us and we have free access to him all the time, free communication, there's always this pressure that we feel like that we get from other believers that we have to be in constant communication with him, which is a good thing. I mean, if, you know, if I wasn't so selfish and if my heart wasn't so, you know, wishy-washy on things, like I would want to be in constant communication with him all the time. And if anything, this brings out our discontentment even more. Because we know we aren't perfect. We know we basically suck at being followers because we're always sinning and we're always falling. And like every one of us, I feel like there's a pressure from within us or from our peers that only amplifies how not content we are. You know, what discontentment is, is knowing that we're lacking in areas and are trying to find a way to achieve being okay in every aspect of our lives. Now I'm going to rant. So, and I'm going to speak directly to my believing listeners We need to stop acting like we have everything together. We will never be perfect. And I think it's super hypocritical for us to even display an image like we are. But we, as it says in 2 Corinthians, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. It is impossible for us to fully achieve his perfection through us while we are here. We are in the process of looking more like him every day. And I get it. I've been one of the people who have asked those questions like, hey, how are things going on in this area? And I know that most of us don't seem to come off that way like we're holier than thou. But I think instead of asking these questions as if they are some sort of box to check off daily, that we should grow beside one another and be transparent in where we are. And this doesn't have to be in a demeaning way. This can be in a loving way. You know, we can grow and be together, not check in to make sure that the other person is growing. This isn't a race or a competition. This is real life, real relationship. But that's where discontentment stems from is envy. It's the idea that if we think some people or somebody has something that we want, um, that we'll be content, we'll be happy. For example, I'll be transparent. I am incredibly jealous of the fact that my sister and brother both have families. You know, growing up, I always thought I would be the one who would get married and have a family before any of my siblings. But envy can turn me celebrating them for having what I want and and turn it into despising them because they have something that my heart desires. Like what are some things that I, what are some things that we want that other people have because 
and we find ourselves like not celebrating them or like being happy that they have what we want because we don't have it. But that's where discontentment stems from. It's envy. It's always this constant jealousy. You know, in Galatians, in the book of Galatians, it even encourages our envious hearts when it says this. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not be conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And although God is a jealous God, he has no rival or any competition that is powerful as him. And because we are all on the same playing ground, we're all on the same page, it's easy for us to identify who is worth more than who because we self-identify people based on what they have or don't have. Discontentment shatters God's notion that we are all made equal and that we are all one in Christ, as it says in Galatians. So now that we've established what discontentment looks like in our day-to-day, here's where we, where we can learn from the Apostle Paul on what he says is contentment. And he says this in Philippians 4. Not that I am speaking of being in need, For I have learned that in whatever situation I am to be content, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, I think it's appropriate to describe where Paul was when he wrote these words. And I found a quote that perfectly describes just that. And here's that quote. It says, Paul learned to be content with what he had which is remarkable since he had so little. He had a jail cell instead of a house. He had four walls instead of a mission field. He had chains instead of jewelry, a guard instead of a wife. How could he be so content? Simple. He focused on a different list. You know, Paul had a different view on the situation. While being in jail, he didn't focus on where he was at, but who he found his comfort in. A lot of us can choose to be content or to be discontent. There's a choice that God gives us. It's almost like he's saying, listen, you can sit around and complain about the gym being closed or you can get off your butt and walk around the house for a bit. God's saying, you can see the victory in this before it's even happened. You can see a victory before it's even come. Because contentment isn't a place, it's a perspective. And like I said, the grass is always greener on the other side when we're in Christ Jesus. You know, this coronavirus can either make us afraid or make us believe in a God who's in control. The hard news that you heard this week about, you know, maybe something in family, maybe something unrelated to this whole coronavirus thing, maybe that could ruin your day or encourage your heart that God is still on the throne. You know, that hard, that hardship that you went through can either make you make it believe that it's hard to trust people again or that it's easy to trust in him more. You know, contentment. It's choosing to see the bright side and being okay when things aren't going the way that we want because it's going exactly the way God is wanting it to go. Contentment is choosing to see that it's okay to not be okay. Now, I don't know if this has encouraged you or not, but I do know that contentment isn't so far away. You know, you don't have to try to reach for that dollar bill on a fishing pole. You can be content with what's already in your wallet. You don't have to be jealous when people tell you good news that they're excited to share with you, but you can both rejoice in the fact that the season you're in is exactly where he wants you. You know, whether you have a family or whether you're single, he still got you. And whether you have a steady job or a part-time gig, he's still holding you. And even if you have a six pack or if you're really grinding hard at the gym, he's still working it out. So friends, this week, choose contentment when discontentment seems so easy to do and so easy to fall into. 
And like it says in 1 Timothy 6, now there is great gain in godliness with contentment. So let's choose contentment, friends. If you're where he wants you, you're safe where you are, and we can choose to see the greener grass. Okay, challenge of the week is this. Write three things down that you're not happy with. And this could be your old card, you know, your friend group maybe, or your body shape. Then next to those three things, write down something to be grateful for while having those three disappointing things. You know, my three things that I'm not happy with would be uh, not, ha- <clears throat> not having a family in this season. Well, I have a family, but not having my own family, not having a job that I'm going to school for, and not having a six-pack. But next to those three, I would write not having a family, but I get to prepare for being a future husband or dad now. You know, my second one would be not having a job that I'm going to school for, but I am going to school for a job that I will have one day. And my third one, you know, not having a six-pack, but I am choosing to work harder and harder each day to get to that goal. Because guys, gratitude is an attitude. And we could still be content where we are, even if it's not where, we, where we're at yet. And we could still see that God is doing something now, even if it's not where we want to, even if it's not where we're, we desire our hearts to be. So what we can do this week is we can choose contentment. So let's choose contentment this week. It may seem impossible, but God has got us. So we'll see you guys next time on the next episode.